What's up? Welcome to the Inner City Innovators Podcast, where we will discuss marginalized communities and what it will take to bring true, lasting hope and transformation to the disadvantaged. Now, here are your hosts and hope dealers, Sean Montal and Ricky Aiken. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We have a very, very honored guest with us today, uh, someone that I met in the community doing the work uh, long before he joined us, but now he's with us, making our team even stronger and more powerful, and that's my boy, David Ray. Welcome. Appreciate y'all, man. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Hope Dealer Podcast, baby. Hey. Yeah, man, it's um, it's an honor to have you on, bro. When I when I here. met you, I saw your passion for the community, and to see your passion over the years just continue to grow and get stronger, and you get wiser about how you use your power has been amazing. So I'm 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 happy to know you. And for those who don't know, he's on staff with us at Inner City Innovators, uh, helping us mentor our young men and improve our outreach in the community. So. I want to know, man, like what started you on this journey of, of, of service to the people? Um, I think I've always had service in my heart, you know? Um, uh, so I, I, I think it's just been ingrained in me. So first, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate y'all bringing me on. For sure. Um, I think this is an amazing space and amazing experience. Um, but yeah, growing up, there was always a sense of community, right? You have pride in your community, you have pride in your neighborhood, you have pride in the people you grew up with. But it just translated as I started thinking more locally than globally, communally. Yeah. Um, and then uh, through service, my, my careers have been, most of my adult life has been in health and wellness and in security, yeah. side by side. Um, and the energies of those is healing and protecting. Right. So um, COVID hit. Nightclub shut down, couldn't be bouncing. Right. Um, spas and and doing that work shut down, couldn't couldn't be making any money, which was fine for me. And I and I know I'm privileged to be able to say so. But I was like, all right, nothing to do but dive in because right. they can't evict us all. Yeah, and nobody's right. really making money in the beginning, right? Right. So, um, the restaurant group that I work for that that has the uh, the the nightclubs, they um they had to fire 650 people overnight. Uh, they went into mobilization to start serving people food. And I was like, that's a little much to be in people's faces. But when we started doing groceries, I just tapped into that. And, you know, naturally I got a strong personality and, and I have opinions and stuff. So I was like, we need to do this, that, that. We tried some stuff out, worked my way into leadership, turned it into work and yeah. saw that, you know, there's, there's ways you can make a difference. Yeah. Make a living. Yeah. And actually feel good about what you're doing and steer mm, the, facts. steer the conversation to steer the ship. So, Amen. um, have been doing that started getting the, the political organizing communally uh so community organizing um but then finally you know when i got some stability because that was my biggest thing before hopping into the, the hope dealers it was like i don't have stability to offer these young men mm. right um you know i really resonated with lashawn yesterday he, he said uh balance mm-hmm. we talked about balance we talked about balance yesterday and i resonate with that because we're always seeking it and so I have a semblance of that that I can offer these young men. So I'm like, right. it's time Respect. to step in. So when it was an opportunity to, I hopped on board. But um, yeah, just moving through the motions. If I look back on my life, when I decided to stop, even when I was destroying things, yeah, there was still a sense of like ownership and protection, right? Right. For sure. Um, 
But when I finally realized, like, there's a better way to serve the community. Yeah. There's a better way to hold things down. Yeah. There was always a sense of, like, service. Like, what what is the value of your life if you can't look back and see that you made something better than when you found it? Impact, bro. Right. That's so. interesting. So let me ask you, where did you grow up? You know, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And what's, what was that like? What was it like growing up in your community as a child? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, because to piggyback on that, I believe everything we are today is kind of based on, like, the oven we were baked in. Right. You know, what was that oven for you? Uh, I grew up in Carroll City, Miami, Florida. Ooh. Um, proud of Carroll City. Uh, born and raised, and, and my family came to the country by way of Jamaica. Um, but where they moved, they moved when it was just, like, open cow pastures. Yeah. They lived. My, my brothers were raised through the crack epidemic. I grew up in a community post all of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, uh, my, man, I don't know. I'm proud of I'm proud to be from Miami, but I left Miami, um, my my like right as I hit 20, and um, tried to just tried to get in a better situation because, you know, what was going on in my life. Yeah. Uh, my face card is clean, but I knew I needed something different. Right. Um, the grass is not greener on the other side; it's greener where you water it. But I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So I was seeking greener pastures. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Hopped around a little bit and came back to the state of Florida and I was going to move back to, to Carroll City because at least in my neighborhood, in my hood where I grew up, in, I knew at least I was safe. Right. right. Some semblance of safe. So right. I'm moving back to a community. If I got to live in the hood because of the way the, the, the finances were yeah. at the time, if I got to live in the hood, I got to go live back in to my, my hood. Yeah. But my brother had come up to West Palm and was like, yo, chill. And then after speaking to his mom, mm-hmm. she sold me on it. And I said, mm-hmm. all right, cool. But yeah, you know, growing up in Carroll City, um, my hood was... Uh, it was known for drug dealing, yeah. you know, Poverty, violence, banging, drug slanging. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, and and it was always an interesting thing to to observe because in Miami, there's the city of Miami and then there's Dade County, right? And so much of Dade County is outside of the city limits. But mm-hmm. you know, um, I just remember growing up, we beef with pe- people that grew up in the projects and we have houses and stuff, but I look back on the houses and I, I drive through my neighborhood. It's gentrified now. Yeah. And I look at it and I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't, no disrespect and love to anybody, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, that's not what I would call the dream house. Right. Right? Right. So if I showed y'all a video of the gentr- our, our houses are next to, on each other. They're yeah. Tall. You know, it's, it's good. It's, yeah. it's the way it is. Yeah. Um, but looking back and thinking about like, we beefing, we beefing over Blocks that we don't own, yeah. beefing over community that we, you know, we have no say in. Right. We're exactly. just making decisions for our neighborhood. We have no, it's just, it just happens. So, yeah. like, the neighborhood I grew up in was really dope because it was supposed to be a, like, a PT place for mm-hmm. Marines or whatever. That They scrapped that, so they just let people buy houses in there. But it was all, yeah. it's all, like, concrete walls and everything. But it was yeah. real open. So, it was, like, perfect manhunt. Yeah. Um, and, man... I go back now. They got fences up, but you can't. You used to be able to make it from one side of the neighborhood to the other side quicker than a car. Right, you just right. Run now you gotta go through yeah. hoops and hurdles. And, not, and, and I understand. I understand the design behind it, but I yeah. just remember watching changes in the community. You know, we had no say. Yeah. Right. And and when we'd get harassed by the police, I always talk about this because it meant so much to me. My neighbor across the street that would just come out and say, "Hey, I don't come outside if them boys ain't outside." Right. Right. Um, and when my generation was handed the keys to the neighborhood. We regulated a certain way. So it, it, it really set me up for, for success because I had some OGs around me that just really instilled me with some good good principles, some quality right. principles. Um, 
and I and I see how we bring it into community organizing. I see how people in the hood, we 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 have entrepreneurial skills. We have uh, business savvy. We have networking abilities. It's just labeled differently. Yeah, you know, it just yeah. looks a little different. Yeah. Um, but right. if we start meeting people where they are, we can start extracting or not not extracting, excavating yeah. some of these qualities to where they can shine because we we are we are the blueprint. Right. You know, so growing Probably up in the community that I grew up in, um I hold it dear to my heart. So I look at a lot of the work that I do here. Again, how do I perfect this craft? How do I get where I'm and then able to pour it into those communities that I grew up in? Because we're an hour and a half away. Right, one thousand. But you got to do the work where you can, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm proud of of being from West Palm now, or like claiming West Palm and, and Miami both yeah. as as home. Yeah. yeah, that's real. And you hit something that resonates with Lashawn and myself as well, is that you know what we saw growing up in our communities is like the main driver of the work we do now. Like I say, if you've ever heard me speak, you've heard me say that real change happens when the people who need it lead it. Why? No one has more incentive to see change in our communities than we do. These aren't just residents or people in a neighborhood. These are oftentimes our best friends, our cousins, our people we consider aunts and uncles. It's people we care dearly about. And you move differently when you care about something as opposed to it being something that you're paid to do. Right. We do what we do in our communities because we're doing it for people that we love and cherish. We understand the historical situation that created the conditions of our community. And we're educated enough to, to go outside and address the system while also getting the needs from the community and making the two meet in a way where our people can feel uh, less disenfranchised nope. than they have historically. Dope, dope. And that that takes me to my next question I want to ask you, David. So growing up in, in you know, Carroll City, Miami, rough, rough and tough, you know, all the surrounding areas, the Pokemon, Opalaka, all the, you know, real tough area. Miami's been one of the leading um, violence and crime rate holders in Florida for a very long time, man. Um, even nowadays, we still see it carrying some of those stipulations behind it. And I want to ask you, do you believe the violence you know, the murder, do you believe the drug dealing and things that go on in our community? Do you believe these are as a result of self-inflicted wounds and traumas, right? So you believe, do you believe that throughout the years, just in our community, our lack of unity, our lack of, you know, self-awareness, our lack of empowerment, do you believe this is one of the main contributors to, you know, the conditions that we see today? Or do you believe that this is a result of systematic agendas that are put in place for our communities to not be able to thrive? Ooh. Damn. All right. Um, <laughs> so a great question. So before anybody says anything to me, you know, pork and beans is, is down in the city. Uh, Kara City borders up with... Uh, Opalock and all that, and it's and it's like that, and and um, some areas are worse than others, some some areas are better. Yeah. Um, taking the guys around from Roca, yes, at a big shot to Roca uh, Institute, uh, taking these guys around, showing them our our community. There were places that they're like, "This the projects, this looks real nice." Yeah. So, what what is it? Is it us? Are we the the underlying contributing factor? I think it's a hand in hand experience. Mm. I think, um, for sure, the systematic placement of poverty and violence and, and oppression is it came first 
chicken or the egg, it, the systematic oppression right, came right, right, right. Um, by design. But then we shoot ourselves in the foot on a daily basis. Mm. And we got to start taking a critical role and look at ourselves. And those of us who are awoken or awakened or whatever to the truth or right. to some semblance of truth or seeing what we need to do, we got to wake other people up with love. But we have to wake them up because, um, give an example, I listened to somebody speak about one of the things that will help our community, help black people in America. One of the top five things he said is stop polluting our own community. Mm. And I was like, has he heard of what's going on in the Everglades? Right. Has he heard of Big mm. Sugar? Mm. We ain't, what? We, uh, uh, right. But then we out doing a community engagement. And I see one of our sisters, she drinking her drink, walks right past the trash can and just tosses it like it's, you know, <laughs> like she threw nothing away. Mm. Um, and then I looked around and saw how much trash was on the floor and I was like, well, that's a real thing. Yeah. But I think that ties into we don't have ownership. If you right. don't have ownership, you can't have that sem semblance of pride. Like we have to force, yeah. we have to force pride as renters or as, um, as temporary people, right? Right. But when you own something, you look back on something like, damn, I did that. Like, yeah. like when you do your work, right? After you build up a beautiful project or you you, you beautify someone's space, you own, that's ownership. It's it's that. it gives yep. you the right to raise your sword and shield and say, you can't come in here. Right. You can't touch that. Right. You can't take that. You can't have that. It's right. mine. I yeah. own it. Right. You know, and that's very, very interesting that you say that. So, that's what the adults right so you know that's like in retrospect the community we could get out of our own way but then we also got these systems and these different obstacles and hurdles that are put in place for it to be more difficult for us so let's take it to the youth what in that in all of that do you feel would be the key factor the most one of the most key contributing factors to the youth delinquency right boycott black murder mm. wow some of these rappers can kiss my ass at this point. Yeah. So you think um, the lyrics are playing a big part in... in I hate to be that dude, bro. I hate to be that old man, you feel me? But, uh, like, I sat with some of our mentees, and we've analyzed some of the lyrics. Like, I, I played them a, a murderous-ass rap song. Yeah, that they're already listening to. No, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean that with us. No, I mean, yeah. I mean one of one of my generations, our generation, one, yeah. of, one, one of we gonna listen to stuff that... I, I have played them stuff that I have... I can go to memories that have provided trauma that I will deal with for the rest of my life mm. and can tie them to places, smells, things, songs. I yeah. remember what we were sipping on. I remember where yeah. we was at. I, I will think of this model car as this thing that did that. You know, you, yes. know what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have played them songs that are murderous, but there's an artist, an, an artistic aspect, mm. and I try to get them to understand it's not mine is better than yours. I don't listen to that shit either. Right. But some of these songs are literally just mantras. Yeah. Then you hear all these conspiracy theories. So let's just say free thought theories or conspiracies. Yeah. But you hear about ways that people make nefarious tunes and do nefarious things with their music. Yeah. I mean, the the, the energy that is driving rap music, mm -hmm. I hate to be that guy. Yeah. But when I stop and I think about what's going on for the kids, yeah. they are their mantras, their vibrations, the sounds that are building Wow. Sound is so the reverse C notes and yo, everything. It's a yeah. art. It's a science, bro. So you know, one of the things, and I didn't touch on this much, but like I said, being a health and wellness, um, being a massage therapy, being in, in in a vegan community, watching people heal themselves with raw vegan plants and 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 vegetables and and, and things of that nature, I learned a lot, and I've learned a lot, and I practice my yoga and blah 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 blah. And sound is massive, bro. Yeah. 
vibrational waves. Yeah. And so the sound that is created through some of these songs and the seeds that get planted. And it's crazy because I feel guilty when I'm vibing to it myself. Right. But at least I believe, not that again, not that we're better, but I believe that, all right, let me take myself out of that. And I play something that's positive as well. Bro, you know, I think you, it was you, me, and, and Norm was on the block. Yeah. These kids didn't know who Bob Marley was. Right. Some of them didn't know what reggae was. Yeah. Yep. I said, can you name me your favorite? Just give me some music that isn't violent. Yeah. Just, just anything, just, yeah. just something different, right? Yeah. Like listen to the what you listen challenge. to. Give yourself a break. Give yourself a break, and so you're planting these seeds, and so they, they're emulating this lifestyle. It was already bad enough that we look at the guys on the block, right? Yeah. But the images now that they're drenched in in social media and in music, it's 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 at a different level. I mean, we got this. Like think about no matter how much we wanted to be like Jay Z and. And I don't, whoever writ P Diddy, all these right. master P. No one has ever said to somebody in our generation, bro, if you can't afford a two thousand, a two hundred thousand Lamborghini, two hundred thousand dollar Lamborghini, you're not a man. Right. If you can't drop a, a you know, a plain Jane, you ain't doing nothing. That's right. what we getting now, man. Yep. And so. then it's like a Trojan horse, right? Mm-hmm. It, it comes in the package of music and beats that we all can vibe to and let our guards down. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the messaging, right? Mm-hmm. And you consider the context in which inner city youth are growing up in, where the fathers are not in the home. You live in single parent home and an impoverished community where you're not really getting the supports or information you need to lead a, a productive or successful life. When you don't have that father figure speaking into your life, that music is the next best thing where you're going to be getting your messaging from. We all know that in the hood, the number one way to keep from being picked on, uh, bullied, is to earn respect. Respect is social capital. It's, right it's, it's like money. It's worth its weight in gold. So the music is teaching you things and ways that you can be based on whoever your favorite rapper or however he carries himself. You start mimicking yourself after that to kind of build this image of yourself that'll protect you. So it's you want to be protected. You want to be safe in a, in a, in a community that isn't that safe. And we often find models that if we do follow in that footsteps, they're going to be detrimental to our development. Like for me, my friends used to call me Ricky Scent. And it's funny now, but it was Ricky Scent because I looked up to 50 Cent. I wanted to be like 50 Cent. Like it was to the point where I wanted to get shot and survive because he got shot and survived. And I saw the respect he got for being able to come back from that, laugh at his enemies and get revenge. That's Mm -hmm. where my mind was. And I can look back now and laugh at it, but at the time that was driving me. When I would listen to Young Jeezy, I wanted to sell dope. Matter of fact, when I did sell drugs, I had my headphones in. I was listening to Jeezy. Bobby Jeezy. Early yeah, bro. To get that. Early, yeah, bro. <laughs> the world is yours. It's everything in it. It's not to get on your grind and get it. So you out there hustling, trying to get dope money because you want to look like your, your favorite guy. And you're a kid with no real right. direction. So that's where you're getting it from. And you, you look at like where it all ends, right? The rappers, you can say they're like the NBA players of the street life. 
where only 1% of guys are going to get to where they are. Mm -hmm. Yet you got hundreds of thousands of black young men and boys, a majority of them that are shooting after that. What happens to the guys that don't make it where yeah. they can rap about the drugs that they sold, the murders that they did? They end up in lives that are utterly miserable. Right. Yep. Right. But it's, no, it's, nobody's that's wanting. So interesting, man. I got a question for both of you guys to touch on, right? So in the work we do, you know, we not only go at the community, but we individualize things, right? Yeah. So we go at homes, we go at parents, we yeah, go at right. youth, we go at anybody police, can get we it. go yeah, anybody can get it. You know what I mean? So, and I just wanted to touch on. What you what you were saying earlier about the sisters just throwing something on the floor like that? Do y'all think that going forward we're gonna have to attack our community the hardest or our people directly? And I ask that because I want to say this: if you cross the bridge, right, just mm -hmm. cross the bridge to the island, just five miles away from Tamarind, boom. When you look at the community that that's over there, it's nice. But it's not just nice because of the money that's there, because of the wealth and equity. It's nice because the citizens of the city keep it nice. Yeah, right. They don't just toss, you know what I'm saying? They don't, and it goes back to ownership because they own it. Nobody's going to, you ain't going to throw that can in your own front yard. Right, right. You know right. what I'm saying? So, right. The, and then our community, we got trash everywhere. We got graffiti on the walls. You know, we got these rundown communities. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when we wake up and we step out the door in the morning, like, look at the community, bro. Like, how can we even be so, you know Let, what I'm let me stab at forward. this first, right? Over, over the pandemic, right, this whole Karen thing, we made fun of Karen, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Karen cared about Ooh. her community enough to interject herself and find out what was going on. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're not walking through Karen neighborhood and she don't know who you are. Right, like, right, right. I'm not trying to say that the Karens that we saw weren't racist, like, and a lot of them got the consequences that they deserved for the way they proud and the way they were, but there's a level of that that we need in our communities that we got away from. Agreeable. Because when I was growing up, bro, like, I couldn't do certain things out of fear that it would get back to my older brothers or get right. back to someone that it, it was a village mentality where it wasn't just your mom and dad's eyes or your mom and grandma's eyes. It, there were people who had a vested interest in you. That's broken down where if you say the wrong thing to a kid, then mama going to try to fight you. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's true, but, but one of the, you, you, Oh, okay. One of the things that, uh, that I think we got to do, I'm going to piggyback off of that into to the first point. I think one of the things we got to do in relation to the youth is love them more. Yeah. We got the tough love thing down pat. We don't have soft love. Right. And so that's a good um, point. And so I think we need we need more more of that in the community. Um to to go back to what you're saying, like caring more. When you have knowledge of self and you you re redefine what it is to be black, what it is to be in the community, what it is to be a member of the family, what it right. is to be a part of the tribe, whatever you look at it as. When we when we 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 re-examine this, we won't feel like, nah, dog, why you tripping? You know, like, if I tell right. you, nah, dog, don't throw that there, pick that up. Oh, man, you tripping, dog. Right. You know, right. you want to white people stuff or you want that uppity stuff or you bougie now. Or da -da -da. Yeah, nah, I, I care. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but you don't, again, I, I don't think we're going to get anywhere by scolding people to right. caring. Right. I think we got to just show them. Yeah. Like, when you, for example, when we go out to the community, we picking up trash with the pickers. 
it's real hard for you to throw something away in front of me. Yeah. I'm a big dude, bro. You you doing that, that's like an act of war. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having to work through it. I'm not saying we're going to war, but right. no one's going to look me in the face and be like, appreciate you cleaning up, throwing the trash. Right. That's what you're here for. Right. You know, but um, we have to have a, a conversation about what this is because, like, I'll talk to people and say, well, that's what they, they got jobs for. I'm like, no, the job is a result of us doing something. Right. Not... Well, make sure you you litter today so you keep the guys who are street sweeping employed. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so when we get out there, when we show people what it is to care about our community, when we have, again, this is where we have to, like, agitate in a good way, but we agitate these people that got money. Yeah. They got bread in the neighborhood. Yeah. Hey, man, drop some money. Let's get some some paint. Yeah. Let's paint yeah, the neighborhood. Man. Let's yeah. drop some soil over here. Let's plant some flowers real quick. Yeah. If we can get the city to reimburse or pay for it, great. But we have enough money that, you know, if they ain't going to do it, we do it. And it's not saying you're doing it for them. You're doing it for you. Yeah. Yes. The difference also lies in the fact that if we got year-long leases, yeah. then tomorrow you're gone. Mm. I ain't got to worry about Mr. Johnson bitching at me. You know what? Because Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson, they're going to be gone next week. Right. Everybody in the hood that owns some is a Mr. Jones. Like, get off my grass, <laughs> get out my yard. You know, That's they don't they come own. out and inspire the community to be owners like them. Right. So that doesn't, you know, all the, the youth, you know, all the kids that run by, you know, growing up, ain't nobody like the Mr. Jones. Like, Yo, we yeah. throw, you know what I'm saying? We yeah. try to tear his house down that he owned because he's such a little scrub about it. Yeah. But if he could approach that in a different way and be like, Come here, little fella. You know, let me it's show you something. Like, though. you see this yard right here? Like the father and uh, boys in the hood. You want to get one of these right. and get out that little multi-family, you know, multi-dweller unit? Let me yeah. tell you something. Give them some game instead. You know, get off my yard. Yeah. Pay them $25 Bro, to cut the lawn. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. But but the, the issue, I just experienced this for the first time in the last, and, you know, I got emotional of it with the meeting yesterday. Mm -hmm. I, I have a mentee that I spent a lot of time personal money, personal energy, personal love. Like I, I've, I've invested in this youth, two of them, two of my most high risk, you know, um, and both of them have shit on me essentially. Yeah. They shit on themselves. And by way of doing that, they shit on me. Yeah. I'm not taking it personal. I feel it personally. I, I'm working yeah. through it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But, but it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, I understand why people don't give a damn. Yeah. Because after enough helping, it's like, all right, man, well, you know what? Like it's I'm here with that fears. Yeah. I, you know, love him and hate him. Um, but one of my good friends and, and, and people that I've worked with is a very wealthy community member. You know him. He, yeah. he, he runs the charities and stuff. And um, I asked him, I said, oh, why you why you try? Yeah. Because they, they put such barriers and loops and holes just to make him... Um, do good things in the community. I'm right. like, damn, this is why rich people don't do good shit. They just cut a check and say, I don't want to think about it anymore. Because yeah. the work is so hard. So I'm not disagreeing with you at yep. all. Yeah. But I feel like this is why groups like ours are so important. I try to make the young men know that there's this is a, a an early start of a fraternity for them. This is this yeah. is a gang. This is a team. This is your yep. family. This is a tribe. Yep. Lean on each other. Network with each other. Uplift each other. But on the adult side of things, it's the same thing. Yeah. I'm trying to bring in somebody now to be a volunteer mentor. Maybe he can't commit like how we all do. But yeah. we need each other mm -hmm. to not only lean on each other, but then to teach people how to deal with it. Because a dude in the community is going to do one or two good things and then be like, these damn kids, I don't understand. He ain't listening. And how you got did something for you? You go get right. yourself arrested again. Like, I agree with you. They, we, we have to be gracious with our children because that's the only way we're going to get them. But we need support systems for the adults that don't know how 
Right. It's like, why am I going to be shit on every day? And let me ask both of y'all this question, kind of like, because there are people out there and have a certain viewpoint on young men growing up now. Mm -hmm. They hear the music that they listen to. They're seeing what's happening on social media. Like, what advice or what information can you provide to people outside or maybe in close proximity to the community or even those far, far away that are curious? What could you say that would help them understand the, the young men that we work to reduce the chances of them perpetrating and being victimized by gun violence and improving outcomes for this demographic. What, what, what is there you can say to them to help them understand this group that's so oftentimes misunderstood? I would say, number one, we got we to gotta, we gotta remove the expectation from them, right? So, and that's the biggest thing I took away from yeah. our retreat, like the expectation. We put expectation on individuals who don't know how to properly inform or, you know, decide on anything. Yeah. And it's a recipe for disaster because nine times out of ten, they're going to make the misinformed wrong decision anyway because right. they think they know it all. Right. So I would say just number one, just remove the expectation and then let's attack it with the heart and the mind and let's be open with this person and yeah. let them give to us. And and we don't and then we don't have to give to them. When they right. give to us, they just take back. Right. You know what I'm saying? We let them take instead of always trying to give. That's number one. So number two, I would say just let the framework settle in. From experience, being only twenty four years old, um, I, I was just incarcerated when I was eighteen. So I was an adult at that time, right. you know, according to the law. And mentally, no way. But according to the law, I was an adult and when I met you you had a framework that you right. were installing at that time. Yeah. Now, if I'm gonna be real with you, I had some, you know, some some bumps, hiccups down the road where you yeah. thought I never became exposed to the framework. Right. But it's the fact that you laid it down right. and then you moved on. Right. And then now you can look, not even look back, look right. into right now and yep. see that patience that you had right. with the community, yeah. with the youth, with the environment, just to right. lay your framework and let it run its course. Yeah. Not give, but lay it and let me take what I need. Plant from it. the seed. And, yep. and that's exactly what happened, bro. So I would say the patience and the willpower and the knowledge to know they'll get it. Yep. So like you just said with them two youth, like all your hard work, this is exactly what it's about. Right. For them yep. to run into the same brick wall right. that yep. you've been trying to keep them from. So that way the framework stick. Yeah, right. And let me, we, let me say that again for my people in the back. Judgment. You got to let that judgment go. When, oftentimes, y'all see a kid, his pants are sat for, oh, you ain't nothing. You you like, you deflate the, the energy needed to, to make a difference in that kid's life immediately when you do that. It's going to take some processing, but remove the judgment. And secondly, plant the seed. You're not going to save a life that one time. You're either going to plant a new seed or you're going to water a seed that somebody else laid down. But... That's what right. it's going to take. We love apples, and they take seven years to grow. Yep. So, you know, it takes time, bro. It takes you know, time. We, one of the ideas that we were taught is that everybody's going to relapse, and it's not like a drug relapse. It's a right. relapse, like mm -hmm. the behavior relapse. And yeah. every time you, you change, like one of our brothers didn't have a gun this time, the judge recognized it. Oh, you're making changes. Right. Slowly but right. surely. So if you're conscious to the real work, then you know that we got to have uh, relapses. Right. Um, my biggest thing for the people on the outside uh, one of the only I had I had a handful of teachers that made impacts on me. One of them said, uh, "You either mean you either leave a mark or a stain." 
And so every opportunity you have, you have an opportunity to leave a mark or a stain. Um, I'm just thinking someone completely far removed from this space. Come meet someone. Do you mm-hmm. have any friends that are in this in this space? Do you have any friends with this story? If not, then reach out to volunteer, reach out to talk, or even say like, so if someone called us, for example, said, I want to meet some of your guys, I just want to expose myself to this. Well, we're not going to expose our guys to your ignorance. Right. But we'll sit down and have a conversation with you. Right. We'll sit down and tell you what's up, right. how you can support us, and when we do have a public space where you might be able to come in or interact with the guys. Facts. Because it, their trauma and your trauma could buck up against each other. Yeah. Because you think that somebody's supposed to receive you with a certain way. These guys don't operate like that all the time. Right. I was with the guys yesterday. Uh, we had a, a little group, and um, one of the dudes spoke Spanish to, to one of the women. And he wasn't doing it making fun. He was doing it because he's been learning. And he's trying to, like, have conversations. It right. came across very playful. Yeah. I was observing, like, how's this going to go? Is she going to be offended? She responded back and was like, oh, okay, hey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, yeah. and, and, yeah. and it was a good experience. Yeah. Um, they have to have these opportunities to experience new things. Embrace so, with love. That's the difference. Right. So if I come to you and I expect to do this and you don't do that, Right. I can't feel no type of way. Right. And so we have to work with people that understand that nuance and understand what's 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 at stake when you interact with them. You have yeah. an opportunity to be the first white person or the first affluent person or the first person first person of your culture yeah. that they may meet, yeah. that they may interact with. Um so you leave a marker saying so I, I biggest takeaway, that was a long way away saying biggest takeaway, come meet the guys, so to speak. Come meet the community that you're afraid of. Come meet yeah. the community that you're ignorant of. Come meet the people that you think are the boogeymen. And I and I that advice is for everyone. If you're yeah. ever against any space, go yeah. meet some people Put from that community. Put yourself in that space. Right. See what, it. see what it is. Um, but with our guys specifically, another message that I would have is no one wants to live this way. Mm. Nobody is actually happy with their life on the line. Right. No one is actually happy playing the cat and mouse game of having your life, uh, your freedom on the line. We get addicted to the adrenaline rush of it. We get addicted to the lifestyle that comes with it because we have to make the best of the worst situation. The mm. same way you can meet people in the poorest countries and they smile all day and they're the happiest, but they live in war-torn conditions. Yeah. No one wants this. So it's not as easy as just if you didn't, if you didn't like it, you just change or you just... Uh, move or you just you know all these type of things if you could just so understand that you're dealing with some type of trauma we don't need kid gloves we just need an open heart but come and meet some of those people that's that's the biggest thing i would say is come and meet the the people that you you're unfamiliar with i was in the newspaper about a year and a half ago um in regards to uh race uh and as a leader in palm beach county and there was this older white gentleman, his name's Bill, and uh, he's a golf pro at uh, one of our golf golf courses. And he read this article in the newspaper, and in the newspaper I said, if people wanna have this conversation, I'm here, because the only way we're gonna get past these issues is through conversation, understanding, empathy. Right. So he reached out, set up a meeting, and I remember when he came in, you know, we shook hands, we sat down, and he was just blunt, and I appreciated him for it. He said, I'm old enough to not care about this. I'm, 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 ret- I'm retiring. I've made my money. Mm-hmm. I can sail off into the sunset. But reading your story and, and seeing mm-hmm. the opportunity, I felt like I should, I should follow up and have this conversation because I've spent my entire life kind of ignoring it. 
And we sat down for about an hour and a half and just chopped it up. I gave my perspective. I listened to his. And at the end of that meeting, he said to me, I want to continue this conversation. And I want to contribute to your cause. He wrote a check for, I think, $1,000. And he said, the best gift that I feel like I can give you is the game of golf. Mm. And he took me on and he started training me. He's the reason I play golf. Uh, Mm. And he trains me every month. And our relationship has continued to grow and blossom because he didn't choose to ignore it, pretend it didn't exist. He saw the news. He saw what was happening. He chose, and he could have went into his echo chamber and been confirmed in his ignorance. Right. But he chose not to. And that brings up a good point about cancel culture. Yeah. We got to get rid of cancel culture. Yeah. yeah. You got to call people into the conversation, not call them out. Right. Um, because I've asked some stupid questions, yeah. but I've come out smarter. Yeah. Um, and then with cancel culture, when when it when we do away with that nonsense, yeah, we leave room for people to be able to come in and say, "Yo, I don't know about this. Can I yeah. educate me?" Because I think um, it's a two it's a two way street. Right. You have to be willing to empathetically come to me, but I have to be willing to be like, "All right, I may be dealing with a grown person, but they right. have the they have an ignorant childlike knowledge about this." Right. They they may say something that that I don't like. Right. They may approach it in, in a certain way. Right. But I'm gonna show it with a little bit of love, and so it's a two way street. Yeah. yeah. And the problem street. with cancel culture is that it penalizes ignorance. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't mm-hmm. believe that ignorance should be penalized unless it's mm-hmm. willful ignorance. Right. We're all. If you ask me a science question, or you ask me a question about the pronouns and things like that, I may be ignorant on that. Right. Not willful. I just haven't spent much time educating myself right. on right. it. And if you can cancel me based on an ignorance because I used to think like my grandmother did not trust white people mm-hmm. when I was a kid at right. all right. and she raised me not to trust white people right. so it didn't take me long when I grew up to realize that if my grandmother was raising me this way who's to say there's not a white kid in the backwoods of North Carolina being raised the same way right. you know 100%. so it, it taught me to, to, to empathize and to take myself and put myself in other people's shoes and once people can be ignorant or acknowledge where they fall short without feeling judged or condemned, then we can move the conversation forward. And before we close, I just want to add to that, Ricky, that's huge. We got to give people their acknowledgement for step for stepping up. Yeah. If I ever ask someone a question and they answer the question, yeah. whether you knew the answer, whether you didn't know the answer, right. I pay respect for stepping up. Right. Yeah, right. So yeah. I don't penalize people for being wrong. I don't penalize people for anything. I try to highlight how, when, where, and why you was wrong right. so we can correct that engagement next right. time and you can have the right approach, the right. right answer, and be prepared. But real quick, David, before we finish off, for our audience, I got one last question for you. What's that? What does it mean to you to be a hope dealer, bro? <sighs> Internally, it means facing my own traumas to help others face their own traumas. Like reliving Love that. my shit and helping young brothers heal through it. Uh, as a community, out, outwardly, what it means to be a hope dealer, it means to be Someone who's unapologetic and relentless in the engagement of our youth and saving their life. We are boycotting black murder. We are stopping the violence in our community the best we can by putting and infusing more hope, love, and light. Um, We be in the trenches. Yeah. We be in the trenches. But we're not there to judge anybody. We're not there to... 
I I love it when someone can come up to one of us and say, I got this little dude I need to help with. Yeah. You know, being that beacon, that's that's outwardly what it means to be a hope dealer. But internally, I know that I got to be the best version of myself. And um, I'm hoping in 2023 I can reach some more of those goals um, by being around brothers like y'all, you know. so You got that, bro, 1,000. Uh, much respect to you for laying that out on the table, man, and um, potentially being impactful and inspiring to someone in the audience that may be watching this episode and may be trying to find some light. Hopefully your story, what you went through, may resonate with them harder than mine, harder than Ricky's, because I don't know what it is about why people listen to who they listen to, but for some reason they'll listen to you. Some reason right. they'll listen to me. Some yeah. reason they'll listen to Ricky. So, right. you know, I'm hoping that your intent and your message today is going to stick with somebody. And uh, with that being said, man, I'll let Ricky zip it up, bro. What you got yeah. for us going out, brother? I would uh, ask Dave, how do people reach you, assuming you want to be reached? Um, Instagram seems to be one of the, the best ways uh, they can hit me up. Um, at Catch D's Hands. That's uh, Catch, period, D-E-E-S, period, Hands. Massage therapist and yeah. bouncer thing. Um, <laughs> I've been and, wondering uh, what this subliminal. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. Oh yeah, you know that. I'm D. Everybody call. I'm David, but everybody that knows me really calls me D. And so you can catch D's hands in the yeah. therapeutic way, or you know we can. Hey, tussle, that's but, a brand, brother. <laughs> that's a brand, bro. But uh, but all my contact information is in the link in my bio. Um, my link page has all all of my contact information, and anybody that has any questions, I've been told that I'm a very safe person you can ask questions for because awesome. I've worn many hats so anybody has any questions wants to open up the dialogue um, feel free to reach out I'm always here for it awesome and with that man I want to say thank you to everyone who tuned into this I'm hoping it was as refreshing a conversation for you as it was for us don't forget you can sponsor these podcast episodes uh, 125 for one episode uh, 400 for the entire month and uh, we want to continue this conversation, but we can't do it without your support. And anyone looking for bigger sponsorship options and opportunities, LaShawn and myself will be paddleboarding from the Bahamas back to Florida uh, with the Crossing for the Cure for yes, Cystic Fibrosis. Yes, yes. So you'll be hearing a lot more about that. And uh, we just want to thank y'all. So without further ado. And, and, and real quick, thank both of y'all for having me here. I hope I, uh, we can come back and continue this conversation. Oh, this definitely will be a part two. So, um, definitely. So thank y'all for this. And, and same thing he said. Thank you for everybody to tune in. This was, this was a great experience. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Peace, y'all. We out.